Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trend says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello and welcome to the Media Podcast. It may not surprise you to know that there is only really one topic that we're going to focus on today. But my God, do I have a fantastic panel to discuss it with. I'm joined today by Louise Ridley, the assistant news editor of the Huffington Post, uh, Boyd Hilton, friend of the show, entertainment director of Heat magazine, uh, and Mirabai Hillel from the Evening Standard. Uh, Welcome to you all. Uh, We're going to be talking, of course, um, about Brexit, but we're going to be talking about the referendum from the point of view of the media coverage and the impact that all of this is going to have. Now, we have a decision that Britain is going to leave the EU for the media industry. Uh, So it's just as well that we've got a multitude of experts here. Let's start by talking about the TV coverage first, though, um, and how the result was actually brought to us. Uh, Naturally, I feel I should ask Boyd, but Boyd, since you are the professional TV critic, and I know you you have your opinions, (laughs) let's ask these ladies first how they found out the result as uh, slightly more lay people. Mira, what was your choice of media outlet? Uh, not the television, I'm afraid. Really not. And they were, as far as I was concerned, all as bad as each other. How did you actually find out the result? What media were you using? Twitter. Okay, interesting. That brings us neatly to Louise from HuffPo. Uh, what uh, about you? Appropriately, mine was actually from our own app alert, I'm happy to say. Um, I went I went sleep about 
12, 12.30, because I knew I was getting up for a morning shift on our news team. At that point, I was pretty confident that Remain had won because Nigel Farage had said so. And he I did, said, yes. He, he would be a man who would not, not get that wrong, you'd think. So I went to sleep thinking this is what's going to happen in the morning, and I knew the result would come four or five, that kind of time, or the sort of clear indication of the result. And then I woke up to our alert saying that ITV had called it for Remain based on about 10 regions, I think. And it was really surprising because it just was, I always thought it was a mistake because all these alerts kept coming in and it had just reversed completely. Okay, now, so. a very impressive uh, company promotion that you're looking Gen- at your own That is actually app. genuinely what happened. Uh, it wasn't company promotion. But, but then once you get the information, where do you where do you go for verification? Do you turn on the BBC? I mean, the evidence is that that's mm. what most people are doing. David Dimbleby yeah, I mean, got 36.3% share of the viewers. I get a lot of my news through apps, but then actually I'd look at the app alert and I'd probably go onto Twitter or I'd go into an app. It's not necessarily the one that sent me alerts. So I wouldn't turn on the TV. I think it's to do probably with working online or being someone who's on Twitter all the time. I wouldn't turn to the TV for instant updates. But I think especially in the case of a referendum, it's in or out. It's quite simple. So the idea of watching all night coverage is not necessary in the complex sense of, you know, a general election. It's it's yes or no. So I kind of, you just want that answer, don't you? But interestingly, many of the authoritative voices on social media, once you take the politicians out of it and the political campaign groups, are broadcast journalists, aren't they? People were actually looking at the tweets of Robert Peston and Laura Coonsberg. Very true, yeah, absolutely. I'd agree with that. A lot of the best people, and when we're, you know, we often cover stuff, the way the Huffington Post works is we'll often cover, you know, we'll look at what other journalists are saying and include a lot of conversation. It's very often broadcast journalists on Twitter who make, who are the main sources for a lot of things, That if it's not ourselves. Okay, Boyd, you have the floor. Thank you. Uh, as I say, uh, Dimbleby won the day in terms of yeah. viewers, 3.9 million. Tom Bradby on ITV, 1.2 million, 11.9% share. Did you flick between the two? Did you watch anyone Kay else? Kay Burley on Sky? What Kay Burley on Sky, Kay Burley on Sky. Like, no one? Um, I clicked on Kay Burley, by the way, for about five minutes and... and literally couldn't stand it and I had to turn back I just thought I'd check her out you know but it was it was too distressing um, <laughs> why apart oh, from a cheap joke I like it's a cheap joke I like Kate I mean I do like Kate Burley in, in one level she's entertaining I do feel she lacks gravitas in these situations I, I, I really do and I just think you know you watch Dimbleby and Tom Bradby to some extent so I spent most of the time with Dimbleby and flicked over to ITV to some of it and it was interesting because it was an absolutely unique televisual thing where it's not it wasn't because it wasn't an election and because they didn't have an exit poll and they didn't have any way of doing an exit poll for as they explained I don't know if any people understood the reasons why they did explain why because all exit polls are based on um, swings from the previous election in each constituency so it's quite it's a fairly easy thing for them to do but to do an exit poll for this referendum they would have had to have had people placed outside pretty much every major um, whether it's called area you know voting area and you can imagine the so just no one did it I think it just would have been too expensive and I guess they would have had to compare it to the results from the 1970s right right, exactly (laughs) so the whole thing was pointless they couldn't do that so they then had this really complicated on BBC and ITV, explanation of they'd come up with a way of working out what each area should probably have voted um, to give us some sense of which way it was going, assuming the whole thing was going to be 50-50. So it was like the whole thing was based on assuming it's roughly 50-50 split, then all these specific areas that were way over that or way under it could tell us something about who was going to win. But what was interesting was there was about two hours where they just couldn't almost say anything. They just had no idea. There was a brilliant moment where David Dimbleby said, none of this amounts to a hill of beans. And, and he literally just completely discounted two hours of broadcasting 
And <laughs> I, I, but I, I thought it was hilarious. That's the brilliant thing about him is, the brilliant thing about Dimbleby, and the reason why he's still the best, is it's, he's completely transparent. So when he thinks the whole thing is preposterous, he will tell you, live on TV, that it's what's happening is pointless. What we're watching is pointless. And he did. I've read that Channel 4 didn't do, as I say, I didn't watch much of the TV Channel coverage, anything, but Channel 4 yeah. News didn't do anything. No, do you think that was a good call? Time bulletin was the yeah. first thing they did. Yeah. Do you think that was a good call? No, but yeah, I think it's that. a good call. And then, but they never do really. They did a thing, they did a kind of alternative election thing, didn't they, with Paxman, with kind of comedians and stuff. Mm. That's, I think, almost, there was so little information to go on. It just, that just would have been another version of the debate thing they had the other night, which also had celebrities um, involved as well. I think it was a good call. It would have been pointless because it was semi-pointless as it was. So it was watch, I was watching for at least two, probably three hours, people filling desperately and working out weird ways to fill on all of these, on BBC... Uh, ITV and Celeste extent. Scott, ITV had a Facebook bloke telling us what the favourite bands were of the Remain and the Leave. So Leave's favourite band was Queen and Remain's favourite <laughs> band was Muse. This is the stuff that we were watching wow. well, play let's, out. <laughs> let's talk about that, Louise. When you do flick on the TV mm-hmm. and you see your kind of digital world being reflected back at you mm-hmm. by Allegra Stratton standing in front of a big plasma screen, <laughs> do you think they're getting this wrong? Uh, I think it's very difficult to include digital stuff in tv and i think most broadcasters do do the best they can they're just completely different things not that's nothing that they should or shouldn't be mixed but i mean for this podcast of course i thought about how how is the online did i put this in inverted commas how is the online media world covered the campaign and it's it's much more fragmented it's not because obviously with a tv program you've got your section where you're going to talk about what does youth think what does facebook think but with online we can just cover completely separate stories perhaps with much less of a link i think um yeah that, that's the interesting thing we we don't have to be partisan we're not partisan like the newspapers and we aren't bound by having to be impartial like some broadcasters it's just a complete mix so it's a jumble but it's an exciting jumble i think they all have done what channel four decided to do which is nothing is going to happen the result is whisker close. Let's not have all this rubbish spouting out mm. all night. Let's resume hostilities at 2.30 in the morning. I would say two things to that. One is, I think probably in hindsight they could have started at midnight. Um, but I guess as soon, it, there's almost like a sense, as soon as the polls close at 10, they have to do something. I, I, have to, I, was, I was expecting an exit poll. I, I thought it was, mm. I was surprised. And they, it's because no one really knows, there's no because, real precedent, no. so no one so knows what's that going was, on. That, it did feel weird for the first two hours that it was very little to go on. But as soon as the first result came in, which was about midnight, I think Newcastle, wasn't it? And then all of these, as soon as... Sunderland. The, Sunderland, sorry. Mm. As soon as these um, northeast and northern working class towns and started coming in. and as soon as it was coming clear that there was a big big majority for leave in these traditional labor working class white working class areas i that was when everyone started to realize on the if you're if well, happy to admit that i'm on the remain side it was going to be it was not looking good and that was when you know Nigel Farage took back the uh, you know his idea that was conceding and that was when all it all it was so what you do get on TV and I think this is why they had to do it, and this is why still really all the journalists are talking about that were tweeting about it and they're all watching what I was watching you know it's, you're still getting the first port of call is still on television isn't it for any event like this and so I still think television reigns supreme because that's and everyone's watching it and and you did get a sense 
literally as the first result came in if you were a Remain that it gone it had gone wrong and everyone on Twitter started and there was a sense by certainly by about two um, that it was really going wrong and I went to bed at three and I, was just, I started listening to the BBC radio coverage at three in the background but by about three I thought I could go to bed and now I know I'd be amazed if when I get up in the morning it's not you know, leave hasn't won, and indeed they did. Um, let's talk about the radio coverage then, um, which you just mentioned, yeah. Boyd, because um, Radio 4, I think, today, so we're recording this on the day of the result, uh, have extended the world at one by an hour, so it's now the world at 12. Yep. Uh, and PM, I think, is a longer show. But basically, they're still doing, you know, the cookery programmes and the dramas. Uh, is that the right decision when you do think of the Westminster bubble and you think of Radio 4, mm. even though there's Five Live and LBC? I think because Five Live has cleared its schedule, if you want to listen to, to post-referendum coverage, you, you're going to go to Five Live. And I, I, th- I don't blame Radio 4. I mean, I think it's right that they extended those shows, those key shows, but it seems that makes sense to me. And similarly, I mean, even ITV got rid of this morning. and yeah. um, uh, Lose Women. We do swimming, yeah. which they weren't originally planning to do, presumably because of the Cameron resignation. Is that right in terms of tone as well? Do you think, Mira? Do you think it's important to see Alistair Stewart bringing you the headlines on ITV rather than Philip Schofield, or could they not actually do serious news using the sets that they have for the daytime television? I and mean, they are experienced live broadcasters; those people. I think this. We are the voice of the of the media bubble, aren't we? Most people out there, I really don't think. I don't know how many of them ever want to see Alistair Stewart again. <laughs> Certainly, I could live very happily without it. But I stopped listening to the Today programme a very long time ago, and that was on the basis that I just felt fed up with one interview with a B-class politician following another one. Andrew Neil, it seems to me, during the referendum campaign, was really going for the people when he had sit-down one-on-one interviews with them. No one else really was. I was going to mention that. Very good point. Because I think, I mean, whatever you think of Andrew Neil, and I think probably, you know, I, I, you know, he's obviously an old Murdoch figure, edited the Sunday Times and all of that, and still involved, involved now in The Spectator, isn't he? You know, you think probably he's a, a fairly right-wing guy. I don't know. I, I make that assumption. But I do think... He's the best political interviewer out there by far. I think he's brilliant. And he really does hold whichever, on whichever side of whichever issue, he holds them to account. And, he, and he's incredibly well briefed. And his, his, his mastery of the facts, I think, is fantastic. And I think his interviews have been an absolute highlight of the whole TV coverage. And I think it was terrible he wasn't used on the live coverage last night. It was a real... So they had BBC... Who did they have doing those? They had... Um, I'm trying to remember... All Emily Maitlis. Emily Maitlis, thank you. Who's yeah. great. And they but, had Andrew Neil today, didn't they, sitting outside... Yeah, and they had Andrew Neil today, but I thought he was a real miss because... I just think him... And I, t- I think this was across the board. It's weird with election night coverage, the the actual, you know, or referendum night coverage, when they have guests. So it's, it gets very cosy, even cosier than you might think. So, you know, they had Ian Duncan Smith, I think, was one of the first guests on BBC coverage. And him and Dimbleby were like... It was like Best Pals Act. And, I, you know, it doesn't bother me that much. But if Andrew Neil had been doing it, it would have been a different situation. I think Andrew Neil probably would have been tearing into him like a terrier about all the, the ridiculous contradictions of Ian Duncan Smith's entire political career. Where Whereas it was like, oh, he's here, let's be... And uh, even on the... That is distasteful. Uh, And on QT, it is very distasteful. Dimbleby, actually, as far as I'm concerned, has stopped even pretending to be impartial on QT. (laughs) The choice of guests on QT, again, another programme has stopped stopped watching. Post... I mean, in terms of referendum period question time, it's been scrupulously... Um, fair. I mean, just it, so they've had, they have a, you know, literally every week they've had two, I think, on each side, and someone undecided. And what about Huffington Post? How do you maintain balance in that as a publication? 
So we are, we don't have a stance, we're completely politically neutral, which is, is great. And we kind of have this approach of taking things issue by issue, which is really great. So we can, we ref- try and reflect what our readers are thinking as everyone does and what people are saying online a lot of the time. So it means that uh, we try, you know, we interview politicians from both sides and we reflect kind of trends online, as you can imagine. And often they are, uh, you know, they're not impartial, the trends. So it will be everyone's complaining about something and we'll write that story and we won't necessarily seek we might seek we won't seek a balanced uh, you know an opposite view if there isn't one there but of course twitter say for example is a huge sphere so of course there is balance even if everyone's screaming about one thing there'll be a few people so we'll put that in but we won't try and represent them as balanced say there's hundreds of people tweeting about accusing the leave campaign of a lie or the remain campaign of a lie we'll put all those in we're not going to then put 50 of each tweets you know so in some ways it's a different way of thinking about balance but i think the issue by issue approach is really great in that we you know if if everyone's angry at a tory mp about something we'll cover it if everyone's angry at a labor mp we'll cover it it just goes story by story which is kind of different i guess to because we don't have that restriction of print sections to fill and and ofcom guidelines and things like that what has been clickbait during this campaign for you Uh, i have a wonderful one actually which is a lovely positive example um we have this lovely thing of dogs at polling stations which i'm sure you may have seen depending on how much internet news you read obviously when people go to the polling station they have to leave their dogs outside and there's a big trend online of everyone you know it's always a top trend on twitter everyone takes pictures of the dogs that they see at polling stations because it's sweet and it's always this top thing on on twitter and for all elections you know of the last many years and it's just wonderful because it's a lovely ray of of happiness everyone getting very excited yeah and something sometimes you get a mix between something silly and serious which is really interesting so yesterday we had a story that did really well about the um use pens thing i don't know if you saw this there's a big sort of conspiracy theory among leave voters that they should all bring pens to the polling station because there was a conspiracy that um uh, the Remain supporters were going to rub, rub out, out the, the pencil, pencil marks yeah. and obviously this sounds silly but there were actually quite a lot of people who were genuinely concerned about this and it, again it showed the sort of real fever pitch that we'd reached with such a close referendum so it started as a silly story and then it actually reflected quite a lot of angst that was going on among young leave voters. Let's talk about the press and how the press uh, covered it and campaigned for it because um boyd you listed the kind of right wing uh papers earlier but it's not as simple as that is it because the daily mail was out but the mail on sunday was in the times was in but the sunday times was out right Uh, yeah that's true you're the newspaper person mira what did you make of of how the papers covered the campaign well i was disgusted with mainly with the sun uh because of the leave campaign which planted a lot of ideas in people's heads but they were on the right side of history if you want to look at it that way again they were on the right side of hysteria well they tend to guess which way their readers are going the debate is always are they prodding their readers on or are they reflecting their genuine prejudices Uh, twitter reflects sun prods i'd have no doubt that the sun persuaded a lot of people maybe not enough but a lot of people to vote leave who may otherwise have maybe looked for their information, maybe even in the mail. Why do you think the mail on Sunday was campaigning to remain whilst the mail was campaigning to uh, leave? Uh, that's a personal problem between Geordie Gregg, who's editor of the Mail on Sunday, and Paul Dacre, who's the editor of the Daily Mail, whose job Geordie covets. So I don't think that had very much to do with politics. And what about the Times? People always say, oh, you can feel the hand of Murdoch through his press. Well, I mean, he's got the Sun saying... He's got the Sun saying, leave. leave. And the Times say, 
saying stay. And the Sunday Times saying leave. So is he just hedging his bets? Or actually, yes. is it true when he says, you know, he, he doesn't get involved in that kind of thing? It's, if, it, if he says it, it's not true. <laughs> but didn't the Times' the position quite weird where they kind of said, um, vote remain because we think we'll, we can get another renegotiation I mean I didn't read I don't read the times but that was what I, I my sense was it wasn't a kind of it wasn't a full full-throated kind of remain on philosophical grounds it was kind of like oh we don't think actually that you know if you vote leave you know that you actually will leave and then maybe there's another referendum it was a complicated more complicated that was wasn't Boris, it that line yeah they followed can... the Boris line Thank and you. that That's was Boris hedging his bet yes so there's even almost, if we yeah, vote to leave right. I still win because yeah. They certainly didn't, I would say the Times didn't go against the philosophy of Rupert Murdoch in a sense. They kind of had a very slightly complex and um, uh, a contrived uh, way of saying remain. And actually, but, I don't think anyone did a really full-throated argument passionately, let's stay in. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to no, remember now the editorials the from mirror, The Guardian and The, the Observer. The Mirror, okay. Yeah. The Mirror, but, it, but um, yeah, The Mirror, I fair I'm, point. I, I remember reading The Observer, basically. The EU's not perfect, but we'd urge you to vote in. I mean, it's not something that's going to get you passionately stomping down to the polling booth. No. The, um, the thing that really got me was the um, day before, I think, the front pages of The Mirror versus The Sun. Obviously, Sun uh, leave and mirror remain the sun had a kind of glowing in they have full page images both of them and the sun's was independence day and it was all shiny and there was an earth and then the mirror was looking down a dark tunnel and it really summed up that kind of i guess that's why some papers were almost heading their bets or declaring quite slowly because of the extremities of the arguments and the passions that if you go on one side you're on that side you know and we're either going to fall off a cliff or not as but, uh, now today yeah. is the day where that's happening and it feels a bit even though it, it, you know, something very huge has happened. In another way, it's anticlimactic because of all that language building up over such a long time. You now think, well, according to Cameron now, it should be the apocalypse. But obviously it's not quite the apocalypse or, you know, it, it's really, it's going to be very odd given the, the strong language and people are going to have to go back on a lot of things they've said, which is very interesting. I think, I, I was just wanted to say that I think that the um, mirror kind of hinted at this with talking about the sun, but I do think, I think the Sun and the Mail and the Express, of course, let's not forget the Express, have basically been campaigning against immigration, haven't they? Not in the period of the referendum, but for years. And, and so for me, the whole, and for me, the, in the end, you look at the results and you look at who, which areas voted for what. And it, the whole thing's about immigration to me. And I think, you know, I was amazed all the way through, you know, all the, the project fear phrase that was used for for, for um people for remain talking about what might have the economic consequences for me the the leave people had project fear of immigration going back years and completely emphasized that point day in day out and that's and to me the whole it was almost a referendum on immigration to me yeah. and i think the results came out and the coverage of it in the right particularly the right-wing press coverage of it and for me that anger and fear they planted about immigration in all of those papers was much more vehement than the opposing argument of people like The Guardian and The Mirror saying, well, yeah, it's not great, the EU, <laughs> but, you know, it's the best and it'll be fine, you know, and there'll, there'll be quite problems. I just think it was, it, they really tapped into that fear and that kind of, that, that, I mean, I use the word evil, I hesitate to use the word evil, but I do think that campaign has been absolutely terrible. The other thing that is different between print and broadcast, as we've been discussing, is that right on the day of the campaign, the papers can still be absolutely pushing their agenda and actually taking ads. You know, on the, uh, yesterday there were there were full page ads for UKIP saying, you know, if you're worried about getting your kid a place in primary school, then vote out today and all the rest of it. Do you think it's right that we still have these regulations on broadcasters or should it be the same parity across print and broadcast? Or should print not be allowed to do what it does? As much as I'd love 
the newspapers to have to tow some kind of factual, Perla. you know, per, yeah, in Perla. I, you know, I, I think it's, you almost can't put the genie back in the bottle, can you? You can't now stop. I mean, it's so, to me, it's so, I, I do think they have, I think the, the, combi- the combination of the right wing, the predominantly right wing press, I keep saying that phrase, I know there are exceptions, but let's face it, predominantly, yeah. um, and the politicians and you know a kind of coverage that buys into it not i don't think a consciously biased coverage like like mira does think that but i think i do think there's an unconscious kind of buying into a certain way of so this whole idea this whole constantly we're told that we're too scared to talk about immigration if i ever hear that again after this campaign i'll, I'll kill myself um so all of that kind of means that it it, it 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 is terrible that the papers are allowed to do what they want to do but it's so transparent to me that it's no point almost in stopping it whereas i do think that you have to carry on with the the broadcast media, radio and TV, being supposedly being impartial and having to be part. It make, it kind of makes even though there's a kind of slightly illogical, it kind of makes sense to me. I completely agree with that. That we should keep the restriction on broadcasters that they can't have to be impartial in the sort of day of the vote because, as we said earlier, that I think TV does lead it does lead the information in this sort of event still and people do understand that the press is impartial to some extent you know people people know what they're buying the and then, you partial. know well sorry partial yes yeah. exactly exactly what i mean uh, louise we've talked about the death of sort of fact journalism uh, and fact politics in this campaign there's also this schism we've been discussing between the demography as well younger people generally spend more time online they're going arguably to the fact checking websites do you think enough effort was made to try and win round the older readers of The Sun and the Mail and say, come and have a look at this as well? Interesting point. I think um, so a lot of what we do online and a lot of other on, you know, p- publications that are online only, I don't mean the websites of the newspapers, just online only, is, is this sort of myth-busting, fact-checking kind of thing, which is incredibly popular. And often it will be from an expert. It won't be us. It will be we'll have an expert who just wants to, is angry about some press coverage and wants to sort of set this right. And you don't get that in the newspapers and things, obviously, because they can't myth-bust their own side. And when they're myth-busting another side, it's, it's then partial. So I think uh, it's interesting you say, you know, has, have the f- there was definitely a huge issue with facts in this entire campaign from all sides. And I couldn't even say that I understand the full facts because the whole concept of the EU and leaving it is a hugely complicated thing with history and all the young people haven't had that history. And it's, you know, people need to have education at school about the EU or something. You know, it's, it's a very, very difficult thing to then have our crazy um, partial newspapers added on the top of that and all kinds of other layers and the discussion about refugees, which is, is separate. You know, we could separate out the whole refugee crisis and still this would have been a very complicated debate okay let's uh, finish by just taking a look into the future here everyone's saying we're stepping into an uncertain world and we don't know what's going to happen uh but we all have some idea of what might happen so let's talk about that with regard to the media uh i mean boy do you work for heat which is owned by bauer which is a german company any any noises there yes i did wake up this morning and did think that the germans who uh, own my magazine and many other magazines and radio stations in this country might be horrified by the fact that we've kind of you know slapped europe in the face but i don't get any sense that they'll actually it'll actually affect anything i i, I think you know they're, they're very apolitical generally and that you know i'm sure and you know if magazines make profit then they'll carry on publishing and it, i assume but I, it just feels it just feels another way that it makes me feel uneasy and sad and you know depressed that you know we're separating ourselves from 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 our european uh, brothers and sisters uh, and Louise Huffington Post, obviously an American company owned by AOL, 
uh, the Americans generally, all of them, <laughs> apart from Trump, uh, seem to think that they can't understand why we would step out of something a bit like the USA. That was very much the view from there. In terms of sort of business, though, for us, uh, as with a lot of other big online-only players, we're from the US, as he said, so we don't anticipate any big changes as far as I know. It's kind of business as normal and see what happens, but there's nothing nothing to suggest any massive, massive changes, so we'll see. <laughs> Amira, how do you see this playing out in the papers? Um, because, uh, as you said, a lot of them have been campaigning for a long time for this. They've got it now. So now what? Uh, that, that's not even going to be a factor because what's the, what the media will devour, devour is this idea of the Chinese say, may you live in interesting times as a curse. But for the print media and the popular media and etc., may you live in interesting times is pure gold because now we will have endless front pages about members of the Tory party attacking each other, um, pushing for position. So I think uh, the, the newspapers will have a field day. Their advertisers will love it. But it will not, it's a, again, another black day for journalism. I mean, serious, real, proper journalism. It, it is compelling, isn't it? And there's one thing you can say is, you know, I woke up sort of feeling a bit anxious for the first time in a long time, but I actually did want to turn on the telly and read the papers and, and look online. I was, uh, one of my theories, many theories, is that I think that's partly what influences the way people vote as well. I think partly why people vote leave, where people are going to vote Boris Johnson. I bet I bet in, in a year's time, well, I mean, probably by October, Boris Johnson will be Prime Minister, only when he wins the, I'm sorry to say. Um, and also why the Americans have voted for Donald Trump is because it's exciting. It's made, you know, it's what you say, it's made, maybe we live in interesting times if voters can actually make the times more interesting. That's the one thing they can do. And Louise, is that your fault? Is it because we now live in a 24-hour news cycle and people want updates every minute on their phone of something new and exciting happening? I do hope that's not the reason people are voting and and they're voting with their conscience. But there's a story we wrote today, actually, that kind of made me laugh and it's kind of linked to this. It was a a, um, Leave voter who was interviewed on TV after the results and was absolutely shocked. And he said he voted Leave but he had no idea it would actually happen. And it was exactly. that weird thing where, exactly. again, because this debate was so extreme, people yeah. couldn't think beyond the point of the vote. Now we've yeah. gone beyond the point, it's all quite up in the air. It, you know, it's, it's not, not even just the economic turmoil, but it's actually up in the air how we're even going to settle into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's very, very interesting. People are just, I think there's some fact like 30% of Leave voters thought it would happen. So even though they yeah. knew it was close, they didn't think it would happen, but they still voted for it. It's very psychologically odd. <laughs> and I do wonder, we were talking about the establishment reflecting itself in the Westminster bubble and all of that. I do wonder, since a majority of the UK uh, has voted to leave, whether when we look back at the coverage over the last day, it will again seem quite elitist and Westminstery because it is doom and gloom that we're leaving. It's all the reports about the pound falling and what's going to happen to investment and the Prime Minister resigning. I haven't yet seen a shot of people celebrating apart from Nigel Farage at the back of some pub reception room. I reflected on that actually too as I was leaving the office to come here. Often, you know, this this is a vote that was won and of course more people than not who voted are happy and they've got what they wanted. But there hasn't been much and, you know, you can think about the media is that because photographers have not been bothering to go and look for all the people celebrating and they've been looking at the markets you, i don't know about that so it's it is hard for anyone to really to know what's going on but i think there must I be people celebrating and there are i want boris a number 10. you're be- doing politics again I here do. we're not doing politics <laughs> because he deserves to 
That's the, that's the Chinese curse. Well, May you live with the consequences of what you did. But in answer to your question, I do think loads, <laughs> the reason why you're not saying celebrations is because I, I do think this is a political point, but I, will make, I think loads of people who voted leave are saying, what the fuck have we done? Mm. I really do. I think they're just, I think there's an absolute, I think, again, I go back to my, I think they're doing it because it felt like the more fun, exciting alternative. But equally, all the big media organisations are in London and big cities where everyone voted remain. So Quite you rightly. could say they're not looking for By the, the, way, <laughs> the people having a different being celebrating. Yes. How interesting, we've just been chatting about covering what's happened over the last 24 hours. Cameron resigning has been such a low factor and it's been about story number four on a lot of you know, the Financial Times and us and somewhere else. People were remarking online journalists that the Prime Minister's just resigned. No one, people coming into our office today, you know, how do you feel about it? Not about Cameron resigning, about the result, which of course makes sense because it's a historic result, but... Poor old Cameron. Not well, from one day to the he's next. He's announced that he will step down. That's still in a few months not as time. big news as it would have been. It's yeah. very interesting yeah. how the news is. Considering out. him letting slip in his kitchen that he might not serve another full yes. term was considered headline well, news yes, at the time. Well, yes, but oh. yeah, exactly. It's, it's yeah. interesting yeah, that that yeah. uh, it's really it's so a given that it's almost not news. Mm. I, do I don't think, think anyone's going to mention it to me. For but the I do think that's day. why the broadcasters have extended their coverage even more because of that. I don't think they would have done if that hadn't have happened. At which point, I think it would probably be safe to say thank you very much to our panel for this week, uh, Mirabai, Hillel, Boyd, Hilton and Louise Ridley. Uh, we are going to take a very short summer holiday. Uh, we'll be back in a few short weeks. Wherever you're listening to us in a muddy field or surrounded by suitcases in Downing Street, uh, thank you for subscribing and supporting the show by donating to The Media Podcast. Find out more about how you can do that at themediapodcast.com slash dedicate. Only takes a few minutes and it will keep us independent, but not in a Brexit way. Uh, the Media Podcast is a PPM production. I've been Ollie Mann. Bye-bye. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trend says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com. And discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.